The My Ag Life Daily News Report is the go-to daily ag news source for California agriculture. The hour-long daily news report can be heard every Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. and is available on demand with the My Ag Life app. Download it for free at myaglife.com. This podcast is sponsored by WaterRight Technologies. For effective control of nematodes, look to WaterRight Technologies. Visit wrtag.com slash promax for more information. Welcome to My Ag Life, where we cover your world in agriculture. This podcast is powered by the top publications in the industry, West Coast Nut, Progressive Crop Consultant, and Organic Farmer Magazine. Here is your host, Taylor Chalstrom. Hi, welcome to My Ag Life. Today, we're talking with Aaron Wingate, an agronomist with TriTech Ag Products Incorporated, about tightening the nitrogen cycle in organic agriculture and how to meet crop nitrogen needs without impacting the environment. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Hi, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Good to have you here. Aaron, in your recent article for Organic Pharma, you state that the most efficient environmentally friendly fields have, quote, tight nitrogen cycles. Can you explain that further? Sure. Uh, a field with a tight nitrogen cycle is one where you don't have a lot of nitrogen in the soil solution, meaning if you test the soil for nitrate, you're not going to get a very high number and you're not in danger of leaching very much nitrate. But when you look at the crop, it has plenty of nitrogen in the leaf tissue, it's growing well, and it's in these optimum levels. So these are all indicators that the microbes in the soil are doing a very good job at taking the inputs, the organic amendments, and converting them at a steady rate into plant available nitrogen form. Um, the opposite of a field with a tight nitrogen cycle would be one with a lot of spikes and crashes. So when you apply an amendment, you might first get net immobilization, meaning that the microbes consume a lot of that nitrogen and don't release any back to the plant. And then later on, their population might crash and release, release all the nitrogen at once. So that's one where you might have times where the plant is stressed and not getting enough and then when there's too much and there's potential for leaching. We want a really steady nitrogen supply where there's always just enough. Okay. And you know, in those organic situations, when those microbes convert organic nitrogen to nitrate, can you just explain a little bit what the shear effects of that nitrogen leaching really is on the environment? Oh, wow. Nitrogen leaching impacts the environment in several different ways. Um, it can cause uh, eutrophication uh, on, a, on a larger scale. It leaches down through the soil and can pollute groundwater. So um, that is, is dangerous, especially for children, for babies. And um, you don't want to be drinking water with nitrate in it. Um, when it runs off and enters rivers and streams, it can disrupt the ecological systems causing algal blooms and in those worst situations causing the eutrophication and dead zones like in the Gulf of Mexico. So it, it's very, very important not to allow our nitrate to leach. Um, and from a farmer's perspective, 
and you don't want to be throwing away fertilizer that you've bought and invested in. So it's best for everyone to try to be as efficient as possible. Definitely. Thanks, Erin. And those organic amendments, like you talk about in your article, are an important tool for organic growers to meet crop nitrogen needs without impacting the environment, causing that leaching. How do those organic amendments work and how are they best applied? Organic amendments are any fertilizers that come from a source that was alive. So it could be the byproducts of life, manure. Um, It can also be um, products that come from from fisheries or from animal production. So there are feather and blood meal products. and there are liquid organic fertilizers that come from decomposing food scraps. And then there's really simple things like green waste compost. Um, All of those are carbon-based amendments and carbon-based because all life is carbon-based. And it comes along with the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and micronutrients. But because it's in this, this, organic matter form. It needs to first be broken down by microbes in the soil before it can be available for the plants to take it up. That's an important point because in conventional agriculture, like you mentioned in your article, they have access to those fertilizers, which offer that immediate nitrogen uptake to the crop. But for organic, like you just mentioned, it's, it's really not that simple. You gotta, you gotta wait a little bit. Yeah, it's not as straightforward. And that was um, one of the reasons I wanted to write the article was because we have such a wide range of organic amendments to choose from. And we want to choose the ones that are going to be the most useful at different times in crop production. Definitely. And in your article, you cite research from UC Davis that identified what you just talked about, those four main amendment categories based on their nitrogen mineralization potential. Can you explain those categories a little more and how each of those functions differently in the soil when used? Sure. Okay, so there are four categories, like you said, and I just want to say thank you for the researchers at UC Davis. And this study was published in 2020 by Patricia Lizicki, and she did this cool experiment where uh, she and and all of her collaborators uh, did a soil incubation where they uh, put soil into jars and added these different amendments and monitored um, those jars to see how much of the nitrogen in the amendment was mineralized, meaning converted from organic form into ammonium over 84 days. And so, um, I really like the way that they categorize the organic amendments. And the first one is plant-based compost. So it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just uh, anything that's made from from plants and it's composted. (laughs) So the the carbon to nitrogen ratio on that is between 13 and 20, which is fairly high. It's got a small amount of nitrogen to the amount of carbon. And when they applied this to soil, At first, they got net immobilization. So the microbes were feeding on that carbon and taking up the nitrogen and incorporating it into their bodies. And they didn't have any excess nitrogen to give to the plant 
for quite a long time. So after 84 days, less than 5% of the nitrogen in those plant-based composts had mineralized. So that implies that this isn't the kind of amendment that you're gonna use if you need to supply your crop with nitrogen very quickly. Um, the next category was still pretty slow to convert to ammonium, but it was faster than the plant-based, and this is manure-based compost. It had uh, a slightly lower carbon to nitrogen ratio, and after 84 days, up to 30% of the nitrogen in the manure uh, was converted to plant available form. Uh, the third category uh, is um, a better supply of nitrogen for a crop. And this category is granular organic fertilizers. So those are anything that you can buy that's a, a dry organic fertilizer. It could be blood or feather meal or a pelleted product. The carbon to nitrogen ratio there ranged from one to seven, which is quite low. Um, and after 84 days, depending on the product, between 35 and 55% of it mineralized. So that's a pretty good source. If you want um, a slow releasing nitrogen for your crop, you can apply that pre-plant and be pretty safe. Um, the fourth category is very interesting. This is very similar to the nitrogen release that growers can get in conventional. Um, this is the organic liquids. They include um, uh, like fish emulsions, products made from food scraps that have been digested and turned into a liquid um, with an analysis of like 322, for instance. And these liquid-based organic fertilizers have a C to N ratio between three and five. And after 84 days, up to 90% of the nitrogen mineralized. That's really high. Not only that, but after two weeks, most of that mineralization had already occurred. So this is the fertilizer you want to use if you need to supply your crop with nitrogen now, within the week, within two weeks. Um, but the other side of that is that you don't want to use too much at once and you don't want to use it too early in the season because as soon as the nitrogen mineralizes, um, it will be prone to leaching just like any other um, conventional fertilizer would. So um, this is this powerful tool that one to be careful with. Is there a difference in the leaching, the overall leaching potential between any of those? I know they all kind of mineralize at different times, but do they also leach the same or is it different? That's a very good question. Um, although all of these materials start out in an organic form with differing properties, um, once they're converted to nitrate, all nitrate acts the same. So whether your nitrate is coming from, um, you know, conventional can 17, or whether it's been recently mineralized from an organic fertilizer, or whether it's nitrate from the water, it all has the same leaching potential. That said, um, the organic form of fertilizer itself that is something I, I don't know. And that's a good question. Maybe um, 
applying organic matter along with the nitrogen source um, and building up your microbial biomass will prevent some of that nitrogen leaching. So that's, that's another aspect of this tight nitrogen cycling where if you can get a robust microbial community, those microbes are acting like the bank and the nitrate is like the cash. So you don't wanna have too much cash in your pocket at any given time. You want it to just be releasing a little bit. And so if you are using um, like one of the green waste composts and you're adding in a lot of carbon to that system, you may lower your overall nitrogen leaching potential because you're cultivating a big microbial community that can store a lot of nutrients. Yeah, that's definitely something to maybe be explored in the future to, you know, better determine what is the best product to use for organic amendments. We're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors. Having problems with nematodes? Promax is your number one solution. Promax is a powerful fungicide nematicide that works to kill and control nematodes and soil-borne disease. Promax is a powerful and easy-to-use product in your fields. WaterRight Technologies is your source for this powerful solution. Visit wrtag.com promax for more information. Hi, we're back talking with Aaron Wingate, an agronomist with TriTech Ag Products Incorporated, about tightening the nitrogen cycle in organic agriculture and how to meet crop nitrogen needs without impacting the environment. Aaron, diverse microbial populations are definitely important to a stable nitrogen supply for crops. What can growers do to increase that microbial biomass in their soils? Are there any downsides to high populations of biomass? Mm, yeah, there are lots of things growers can do to increase the carbon in their soil in, and increase those microbial populations. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is always cover cropping. And so if you are um, in a, a place where that's a, a feasible practice, go for it and um, work with your local advisor to figure out which cover crops are best suited to your crop rotation. Um, also watching out for disease history in the field. Um, if there's, if there's a history of soil-borne disease, some cover crops uh, can help suppress the disease, whereas others can actually be a, be a host. So you want to know what you have going on before making those decisions. Um, the next thing you can do is apply compost. And like we've talked about already, the green waste compost has a lot of carbon in it and that feeds the microbial population. Um, and supplying a diverse range of substrates is really beneficial. If you have diverse food sources, you're probably gonna have a more diverse microbial population. So you can get compost from different sources and use different sorts of organic amendments. Um, and so the, the downside to growing your microbial population is really just in the short term. Um, you can get some short-term immobilization. And if it comes at the wrong time, you may crop, cause a crop nitrogen deficiency. But if you plan in advance and apply 
your high carbon-based amendment um, well before planting, then you can time it so that when the crop is ready to start growing, you're having more nitrogen mobilization as opposed to immobilization. And there's always ways to help out. Um, if you're getting some immobilization happening, you can tell by doing soil testing and leaf tissue testing. And if you need more nitrogen, go ahead and apply some of those liquid amendments because that'll give you a very readily available source. Okay. Just a quick question. Are there any types of microbes that are maybe not beneficial to have in the soil or maybe they're just kind of neutral and don't really, really do anything? Is that something to look out for for a grower? Oh my goodness, yes. There, the soil is the most diverse ecosystem on the planet. It's right up there with the Amazon. Uh, it's not very well understood. Um, although our knowledge of it, the scientific community's knowledge of it has expanded so much in recent years. It's really amazing science. Um, so the vast majority of, of soil organisms are neutral or beneficial, and, but there's a small but very virulent um, population of pathogens. And although there aren't very many of them compared with the good guys, when they're there, they can really decimate a crop. And uh, so you don't wanna be kept in the dark about soil-borne diseases, especially in organic where there aren't that many tools. It's good to pay attention early and make sure you're using crop rotations that will try and, and suppress those organisms. Um, get your soil tested. If you're seeing your crop struggle, um, you want to play detective and um, take the plant sample and soil sample to a lab that can identify the organisms. Um, this is Steve Kowicki at Trichal Diagnostics. He's a very well-known plant pathologist and uh, he'll help you out right away figuring out if there's uh, any pathogen problem. Um, then after that, take a soil test to look at the crop nutrition. Um, but, but yeah, the, the soil organisms are very diverse. There's good guys, there's bad guys, but it can be managed. Okay. And my last question for you, Erin, do you have any other tips for growers to help them manage organic amendment use and foster a robust microbial community? Yeah. I, I think my, my main tip is to try and incorporate as diverse a range of practices as you can. And um, economics is always a constraint, but uh, try to cover crop. If you're in a location where minimum till is possible, you may try that. Um, tillage is the number one thing that disrupts microbial communities. Um, and in Southern California, where I work, um, tillage is necessary. And we do this very fast crop rotation where we're getting between two and four crop cycles in a year. So it's very intensive. But in other places in the country, they can do minimum tilling and they're able to build up their soils that way and foster a very um, robust, diverse microbial community. So try that. Um, and 
do the cover cropping and play around with different amendments and all the while document what you're doing, um, record all your applications and store your soil tests and your plant tissue tests so that you can just keep on learning year after year. All right. Great advice, Aaron. Thank you for coming on and talking about, you know, how to prevent that nitrate leaching into the environment through the use of some of those organic amendments that are being studied right now. We really appreciate having you on. Oh, well, thank you for the opportunity. I love this topic and I'm really glad to be able to talk to you about it today. Of course. This is Taylor with My Ag Life signing off. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for updates on new episodes, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.